Good morning. And uh, it's so good to see each and every one of you this Sunday morning. Let me take a good look at each of you. Uh, are you doing good? Yes. And uh, you know, it's so wonderful that we can gather together uh, in the house of God to worship Him and, uh, and to praise Him. And uh, you know, this morning, we're going to look to the Word of God. And uh, we are continuing on our series on the Beatitudes, okay? And uh, we, we have not reached there yet. We have not reached there yet. Uh, but we are halfway there, so don't worry. We are going to finish this soon. Come on, turn to the person beside you and tell them, we are going to finish this soon. Uh, uh, don't worry, okay? Don't worry. We are there. Almost there, almost there. And uh, today we are on at our fifth beatitude. And uh, we're going to look at the Word of God. If you have your Bibles with you, would you go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Okay, Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 7, that's where our main text is going to be. And so, would you read it together with me? I have it on the screen. Can we read it all together at the commentary? One, two, three. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Oh, very, okay. Uh, pretty straightforward uh, text. And you know, I'd like to entitle this morning's message as From Merciless to Merciful, okay? From merciless to uh, merciful. This will be suited for Nicholas, okay? <laughs> so anyway, uh, never mind, it's an inside joke. Uh, okay, come, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the moments that we share around your word. Uh, and Lord, uh, we thank you that it's your word that brings life. Your word that changes us. Your word that shows us who you are. And so, Father, even as at this moment, we ask God that you begin to speak to us. Holy Spirit begins to open our eyes to see what you are doing in our lives. Holy Spirit begin to give us understanding of your word. Holy Spirit, give us the faith to believe and to dare to trust you even more. So, Father, we surrender this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, everybody has pet peeves, okay? Everybody has pet peeves. And you might be asking, what in the world is pet peeves, you know? Uh, basically, everybody has something that uh, irritates you. I and I would say everybody, everybody, regardless of who you are, regardless of how uh, spiritual you may be, everybody has something that irritates you, you know? For some, uh, it may be people who chew their food uh, with their mouth open. Have you encountered such people? You know, when they're eating, you know, uh, one time then you can hear the mechanism of the mouth on the food and, and it's so annoying, okay? Uh, for some, uh, it may be the screeching of cutleries, you know, especially when they are cutting meat. And, you know, it really gets on your nerves. Uh, for some, uh, it may be the way uh, the person speaks, you know. Uh, they speak with an accent, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, you're Malaysian, speak like a Malaysian, you know. Uh, why speak with an accent? Uh, for some, it may be the face, you know, face problem. Huh? <laughs> uh, you know, but for me, uh, one of my pet peeves, or uh, one of the things that really get on my nerves and irritate me uh, are drivers who don't use indicators. Oh, come on. Are drivers, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, how many of you have experienced that before, huh? And I see some of you nodding, hey, yes, yes, I agree with you, yes, okay. Uh, and, and these drivers really annoy me, you know, drivers who don't use their indicators. You know, especially if I'm at a junction 
and I, I, I'm waiting to head out to the main road and you know, I'm just waiting for the oncoming traffic to pass by and then the, this car that comes and uh, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, oh okay, uh, you don't signal, you're going straight. So I wait patiently, wait patiently, wait patiently uh, and then in the end, the person turns in to that junction and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, seriously, why can't you just on the indicator, you know, uh, you know, I, I could have gone already and the indicator is not located far from the steering wheel, you know, it's just a stick next to the steering wheel, it's not like it's located in the boot of the car, you know, and I'm just thinking, how difficult can it be to on uh, the indicator? And, you know, church, I just wish uh, JPJ would come out with an app that whenever someone fails to use their indicator, uh, we can report them in the app, you know. We can report them, we can complain about them, and, and they will get a demerit point. Uh, <laughs> but of course, you know, uh, the app can be misused as well. Huh? Uh, you know, I don't like this fella, oh, report him. Oh, I, I don't like his car, oh, report him, report him. Oh, I, I don't like his face, you know, report him. Huh? Uh, so it can uh, be misused. And church, I was just thinking the other day to myself, uh, that our society today, uh, we are becoming an intolerant society if we are not one already. You know, every single thing we want to complain, you know, we want to air our grievances. You know, if we go to a restaurant and so happen, it's a busy day, uh, it's packed out, it's full of people, and because of that, our food comes a little bit slower than usual. Wow! We complain on Facebook, you know, we complain on Facebook, we complain on Instagram. Uh, we give that restaurant a bad review online. And nowadays, it's all about the review, right? And, you know, and, we, and we, we put a review, oh, this restaurant, tak boleh lah. You know, uh, uh, no good, no good. Give you negative five star, uh, if there's such a thing. Uh, <laughs> if our employers, if our organizations that we are working is, uh, is a little bit stringent, on their working policies and practices, uh, we complain about it. We air it online, you know, shaming the company, you know, saying that this company doesn't care about my rights, you know, doesn't care about my welfare. Wow, they are slave drivers. Whew. Uh, perhaps uh, we have even become intolerant to the point that instead of talking to the person to address uh, a particular issue or to address a conflict, no, we decide that we want to become keyboard warriors, huh? And uh, we blast it all over social media, on Facebook, whatever it is. You know, say for instance, uh, some years back, I read about a person uh, complaining and shaming their neighbor online, okay? Just because their neighbor parked their car in front of their house and they couldn't drive their car in, you know? Wow! And uh, this person, Taro the neighbor, kao kao, you know, or, or on WhatsApp. Why wow, I read it, wow, it's, it's, it's quite bad. Lah. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, seriously? You know, what's so difficult about just parking at the roadside and walk into the house? You know, what's so difficult about that? Uh, uh, you know, your, perhaps the neighbor might have a logical uh, reason or, you know, a perfect reason for doing so. You know, there might be an emergency. That's why the neighbor did it. And, and the person who was offended could have just gone and clarified with the neighbor. Why need to shame and blame uh, in such a manner? And, and church, it is truly such a sad state that we are becoming a society that is intolerant of one another, whether is it at our homes, whether is it at our neighborhood, whether is it at our schools, 
whether is it at our workplace, whether is it at government offices, come on, and even in church. We are becoming quite a merciless to the people around us. And brothers and sisters, church, this should not be so of you and I as disciples of Christ. If we are truly His disciples, this should not be categorized of us. Especially if we want to be blessed. Especially if we want to have that blessed life. We are to show mercy. Again, the Bible tells us, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And you know, church, we have been talking about the Beatitudes and the idea of blessed. You know, yes, it does talk about blessings and having it to the full, but Jesus doesn't mean just blessing in a physical sense. He was talking about spiritual blessing, of how our soul is blessed, of how our soul prospers. And church, that is way bigger a bigger deal than physical blessings because physical blessings, they come and they go. But if our soul prospers, if our soul is doing well, we can say in good times and we can say in bad times and we can say with utter confidence that our life is blessed. Come on. And friends, that is way better than physical blessings. And so blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And I would like to add that showing mercy is a key element to being a disciple of Christ. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. But it's not easy to show mercy, you know. It's really not easy at all. Perhaps some of you might be thinking, hey, pastor, what about justice, you know? What about people who act selfishly? What about people who have ill intentions and, you know, wants to do uh, evil things? Well, what does the passage say? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. We see here, there is justice in play. Come on. If you're not neglecting it, there is justice in play. But we are to love mercy. We are to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Because the reality is this, church. If we don't show mercy, we will not be shown mercy. If not in this life, what we have on earth, then when we stand before God, because at the end of the day, all of us, all of us, all of us will stand before God and we will have to give an account to Him on how we have lived our lives. I won't be standing before God and tell Him how Brother Lau has lived his life. No, 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 come on. I will be standing before God and give an account of how I have stewarded the grace that God has shown me. How I have shown mercy to others if I did it or not. Did I steward it well? Was I faithful to do so? And to be honest with you, 
it would be quite awkward, or rather I would say, it would be quite frightening if we were to stand before God and if God were to say this to us. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. And Jesus was teaching on the goats and the sheep and the goats. And here Jesus was addressing the goats. Then to those on his left, the king would say, Leave me, for you are under the curse of eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and all his demons. For when you saw me hungry, you refused to give me food. And when you saw me thirsty, you refused to give me something to drink. I had no place to stay, and you refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your hearts and would not cover me. When you saw that I was sick, you didn't lift a finger to help me. And when I was in prison, you never came to visit me. And then those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not give you food and something to drink? When did we see you homeless or poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help you or in prison and not visit you? And then he will answer them, Don't you know, when you refuse to help one of the least important among these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you refuse to help and honour me. And they will depart from His presence and go into eternal punishment. But the godly and my beloved sheep will enter into eternal bliss. Ooh, this is quite a loaded passage. So I guess the question for us this morning that we ought to ask ourselves is this. How are we going to put mercy into practice? How are we going to cultivate the habit of showing mercy to the people around us? And this morning, we will be looking at a famous story which Jesus told us to help us unpack this whole idea on being merciful to others. And this story which Jesus tells is a super famous story that even unbelievers, even unchurched people or people outside of church uses this term for people who are benevolent and people who are generous, people who are selfless. And uh, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, This is the story of the Good Samaritan. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the passage of Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And you know, I'll just give you a little bit of background on what's happening. At the time, you know, uh, before Jesus was telling uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, came alongside a religious scholar, an expert in the law, and he came and asked Jesus a question, or rather to test him. And he asked Jesus this question, No, teacher, 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 now what must I do to get eternal life? And uh, Jesus, as always, he, he replies in a question. And Jesus asked him, What is written in the law? And here, of course, Jesus was referring to uh, the Mosaic law, the Torah, which the religious scholar would be very familiar with. And so the religious scholar replied, You know, I, I know this all my life. Easy peasy, man. Uh, love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, Good answer, good answer. You know, do this and you will live. And, but the religious scholar, you know, trying to look for a loophole, you know, trying to be sneaky about it, you know, trying to find a shortcut, he, the religious scholar asked Jesus, you know, so Jesus, how would you define neighbor? Uh, how would you define neighbor? Who, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? 
And so Jesus starts with the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to read from verse 13, chapter 10, verse 30 of Luke. Uh, verse 30 says, Jesus answered by telling a story. You know, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Now, the Bible here in this translation says, luckily, wow, luckily, you know, this means something good is going to happen. You know, luckily, okay, luckily. And luckily what? Luckily, a priest, a priest, a pastor was on his way down the same road, but when he saw the injured man, when he saw him, he angered across to the other side. Then, a Levite, a religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan, traveling the road, came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, you know, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I will pay you on my way back. And Jesus asked the religious scholar this, what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The religious scholar replied, the one who treated him kindly. And Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. You know, church, as we observe what's happening in the story, uh, we see mercy at work. We find the act of mercy shown by the Samaritan man. And there are some things that you and I, we can learn on how we too can put mercy into practice in our everyday life. So how are we going to put mercy into practice? How are we going to cultivate a habit, a lifestyle of being merciful? Number one, you're writing notes down. Number one, we see the need. We see the need. Everybody say with me, recognition. Okay, recognition. We see the need. The priest, the Levite, the Samaritan saw the half-dead man by the roadside. All three men saw the half-dead guy, but only the Samaritan saw the need. Only the Samaritan truly saw the need of the man. And at times, church, we can be surrounded by needy people and still not be truly seeing the need of the people around us. Now, perhaps we choose to turn a blind eye to those needs. Perhaps we choose to ignore the needs of those around us. Now, say for example, what is our usual response when peddlers or beggars come and ask us for money when we are eating at a kopitiam or at a mama shop? What is our usual response? You know, sometimes they may even wait outside of banks. And uh, perhaps, you know, sometimes they may also wait outside of church too uh, to ask for some money. You know, it's, um, and you know, in fact, sometimes they can be sitting in church and then after service, they may approach any one of us for some cash. And you know, perhaps maybe they are thinking, you know, uh, you know, it's better to ask 
for money in church, you know, or outside of church because they assume, you know, uh, they would get a better response compared to a kopitiam or a mama shop. No, because after all, you know, Christians are supposed to be kind-hearted, you know. And, and somehow after church service, wow, after listening to a message like today, wow, this bunch of Christians, wow, sure to be generous, sure to be kind-hearted and merciful. But let's be honest here this morning. What would our usual response be? What would our usual response be? Maybe because of our past experiences, you know, we think to ourselves that it's not so wise to extend help in that way. Maybe in the past, we would have done so. We would have extended help. You know, we would have shown mercy without thinking much about it. But you know, nowadays we hear in the news of, of scammers, you know, of con men, con women, and uh, we hear of syndicates who exploit kids and prey on the generosity and kindness of people. You know, we are told to be cautious. Uh, we are advised to become wiser, and rightly so, we should apply some wisdom in it. And at times, if we do extend mercy to those people around us, it may mean that we would need to go the extra mile. It may cause us some inconvenience. It may you know, us a, a little bit. And, and I was just thinking, maybe that was what was going through uh, the mind of the priests and the Levite. Uh, just a little bit background. In their culture, if a Jewish man or woman was to touch a corpse, the person would be considered as ceremonially unclean. And they would have to go through a ton of processes to get themselves clean. Yeah? It's very mafan. It's very troublesome. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, they might be thinking along this train of thoughts. Yes, yeah, I, I saw the guy, you know, by the roadside. Yeah, he looked like half dead or, or he could be very well dead, you know, but uh, yeah, who knows lah, unless I go near to the corpse to check it out, uh, to the body, check it out, you know. But uh, yeah, if he is really dead, uh, Ayo, it's going to be such a pain to get myself ceremonial clean. Ay, so, why risk it? You know, why risk it? Ay, just walk away. No IC. No IC. Wow. And so, you know, after having, thinking about this, you know, after giving it some thought of how troublesome it may be if we do extend mercy, if we do extend help, we may just choose to ignore and turn a blind eye to the need that is around us. But friends, what did Jesus say at the end of his conversation with the religious scholar? Go and do the same as a good Samaritan. Go and do the same. And friends, I know that this is not an easy thing to emulate, to show mercy, to even go the extra mile for people, for, for strangers. I know just the other day, I was at a mama shop with my family, you know, having a meal uh, after a long day. And along came a guy, you know, trying to sell kerapok, okay? And uh, he, he came to our table and he was telling us some long story about how he needs uh, cash, you know, for his family, for his kids, you know, and, and stuff like that. You know? And now, I was tired and I was exhausted and I was hungry and I was in no mood to talk to the guy. Uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't feeling very Christian-like, okay? Uh, I wasn't feeling very generous. I wasn't feeling very merciful. And, and after all, you know, a hungry, tired man is a hungry, tired man. Huh? 
and uh, my mind was solely focused on the roti chana that's in front of me, on the mee goreng that's in front of me, okay? Uh, uh, that was my sole focus. Uh, but my wife, who is way more generous, and uh, she really has such a big heart, you know, she starts to have a conversation with the guy, you know. And uh, to cut the story short, in the end, uh, we bought a curveball and we gave a little bit extra too uh, to the guy. You know, that day, my wife saw the need of the man and she took the opportunity to show mercy to the man. She saw the need of the man. I only saw the food that was before me. You know, that day, through her actions, what she did, my wife reminded me if we are to be the light of the world, if we are to be the salt of the earth, we are to show mercy regardless of how we may feel. Because the reality is that you and I, we are disciples of Christ 24-7. There is no break to it. There is, ah yeah, today I don't feel like being a Christian, uh, no such thing. We are followers of Christ 24 7, 365 days a year. Therefore, church, can I encourage all of us this morning that we must see the need that is around us. We cannot afford to turn a blind eye. I know that there's a saying that says, ignorance is bliss. But, church, as Christians, as disciples of Christ, ignorance is not bliss in the kingdom of God. We see the need that is around us. We recognize the needs that are around us. And number two, we are moved by the need. We are moved by the need. You know, would you say to me, motivation. Okay, once again, motivation. Okay, we are moved by the need. Jesus tells us that the priest and the Levite saw the injured, the half-dead, presumably dead man by the road. They were moved by what they saw. They moved away to the other side of the road. But the Samaritan, Jesus tells us that he, the Samaritan took pity on the injured guy. He felt compassion for him. His heart went out to him. Another translation says, he was moved with tender compassion for that guy. His heart was filled with love for him. And friends, our hearts ought to be moved whenever we see a person in need. If we are Jesus' disciples, if we are truly His sons and daughters, our hearts would be moved. Why? Because Jesus was and is filled with compassion for people. You know, when Jesus, the Bible tells us, when Jesus saw the crowd was tired and was restless and was hungry, Jesus was filled with compassion and He told the 12 disciples, go and get something to feed the 4,000 people. Go and get something to feed the 5,000 people. When Jesus saw that a widow's one and only son had died, Jesus was filled with compassion and Jesus, He raised that dead boy back to life. 
when Jesus, when he saw the crowds were confused, when he saw them helpless like a sheep without a shepherd, he was filled with compassion. And he told his disciples, hey guys, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray, pray earnestly, pray desperately to the Lord to send laborers. Friends, this morning, are we moved with compassion? Does something stir within our hearts when we see the needy? When we see these people around us who are in need? Does our heart yearn to do something? If we are not moved to do something, then we have to ask ourselves honestly this morning, why is it so? Why are our hearts not moved? Have our hearts become hardened? Have we become desensitized to the needs of the people around us? Have we, because of our own life's experiences, become skeptical to the needs of the people around us? In church this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit is nudging. The Holy Spirit is knocking on our hearts. Don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let your heart be hardened. Especially for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a very long time. Let our hearts not be hardened. Let us be moved in our spirit whenever we see the needs of the people around us. You know, perhaps some of you might be thinking, you know, hey, pastor, you know, I, 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 I think I'm a, I'm a good Christian, okay? You know, I, I've been coming to church for some time. I've been faithfully attending service. You know, I've, I've been even coming to prayer meetings. Wow. You know, I, I've been worshipping with my fellow brothers and sisters in the cell groups. I, I've sacrificed my time, my energy, my resources to serve God. You know, I even serve in all sorts of capacity. I serve as a traffic warden. I serve as the ushers. I serve as the worship leader. I serve in the kids' ministry. I serve in the old folks' ministry. Wow. Uh, do you know how challenging is, that is, Pastor? And so, Pastor, 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 I, I think I'm doing good. Lah, you know? I think I am a good Christian. Huh? I think I'm a good Christian. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scholars, they were excellent in performing their religious duties. Excellent. Top-notch in performing their religious duties. But they didn't show mercy to those who need it. They had the form. They had the outward appearance. They had the look. But their hearts were not moved. Their hearts were not filled with compassion. And Jesus hantam this group of people quite hard. In fact, there is a dedicated passage in the Gospel of Matthew which Jesus hantam them. And you can go and read it. And so in the midst of you and I coming to church, in the, in the midst of you and I serving, in the midst of you and I being part of this community, do we show mercy to those around us? Do we show mercy to those around us? Mercy ought to be part of who we are, church, because 
we are His. Come on. We are His bride. We are the church. Not these four walls. This is just a building. The person sitting beside you is the church. The, the person whom you don't like in this hall is the church. We are the church. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will stir in our hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move our hearts if we are not moved when we see a person in need. And I pray and I prophesy that the Holy Spirit will cause such a disturbance in our spirit that we cannot rest till we do something about the needs that we see. I've told this story before. You know, some years back, I've had the opportunity to hang out with a group of young adults uh, and uh, we went to play some board games in SS15. And uh, we had a great time, you know, we hanged out, we fellowship, and we were there till quite late uh, at night. And uh, you know, after have, doing all these things, you know, we, we were making uh, some transportation arrangements. You know, we were heading out and we were go about to go home. And suddenly, you know, one of the young adults pointed out, hey, there's a homeless man you know, lying down on the floor a couple of shops away. And you know, I, I was looking at the homeless man and uh, he did look quite pitiful. You know, he was lying there looking quite helpless. He was sprawled all over the floor. And... Uh, Another young adult said, hey, we must do something about it. Now, to be honest again, uh, I was quite tired. <laughs> I've had a long day, and again, my unchristianness is starting to show, okay? And uh, in my mind, I was thinking of the message that I need to preach at the youth service the next day, okay? And uh, I, I just wanted to head home. And uh, so, when one of the young adults, you know, say that, hey, we must do something about it, in my mind, you know, I was shouting, hey, seriously, why are you open your big mouth, you know? And, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I said, okay, sure, 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 sure thing, sure thing. And uh, so, Nikki and I, uh, Nikki, if you remember this, uh, Nikki and I went over to talk to the guy, okay? And uh, we asked the guy if he needed anything, you know, if he's okay. And uh, the guy, you know, he didn't say much, uh, probably because he was high on drugs already. And so he couldn't respond much. He just could, mm, mm, like that. And uh, I thought to myself, oh, good, you know, uh, he doesn't need anything. We can saotong and go back, you know. Uh, but then, another young adult has to open her big mouth and, <laughs> and say this, no, we can't do much, you know, we can't do much. But why don't we get him some food to eat? Oh, the rage that was fueling my mind. You know, what are we getting ourselves into? And uh, so, but anyway, uh, McDonald's was just around the corner. And uh, so we went and got him, got the guy uh, a burger meal and we gave it to him. And the guy was super appreciative. Uh, he ate it with such appreciation, with such glee. And uh, we left shortly after that. And uh, again, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, oh, finally, we can go home. You know, finally can go home. Uh, and on the way back, I was just, you know, pouring out my heart to God. You know, I was just, uh, or rather, I was just complaining to God. I was just grumbling to Him. And I was telling God, I, God, I'm so tired, you know. How exhausted I was, you know. How, how in the world am I going to prepare for tomorrow's sermon uh, and, uh, and all that kind of things, you know. And I was just complaining nonstop, airing my grievances. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit poked me. Or rather, I would say it felt more like a slap from him. Yeah? And, and the Holy Spirit asked me this. How can you say that you love me when you are unwilling to go the extra mile? Are you not in the same boat as him? 
are you not in need of grace? Are you not in need of mercy just like Him? And at that moment, in the car, you know, I, I, I couldn't control myself. I stopped by the roadside and in that car, I just wept. I just wept. And I told God, God, I'm so sorry for being selfish. I'm so sorry for only looking out for myself. I'm so sorry for not being your hands and your feet. Father, I'm sorry for withholding back your love which you have poured so freely into my life. Friends, let us be moved in our hearts when we see the needs of those around us. Let us be wrecked and filled with compassion for people. And when our hearts are moved and filled with compassion, we will move, we must move to meet the need. And that is my third point. We move to meet the need. That is action. Everybody say to me, action. The Samaritan, the, Sarits, the Samaritan gave the wounded man first aid, you know, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper and said, hey, take good care of him. If it costs more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Wow. The Samaritan really went all out to help that guy. He didn't spare anything. He went the extra mile. He went above and beyond to help that wounded man. And church, when we see the need of those around us, when we are moved by it, we will move to meet the need as best as we can. Action must follow after us. After us recognizing the need, after us being moved by the need, we are moved to action. We are moved to do something about the needs that we see every day. And you no, know, perhaps sitting here, some of you might be thinking, okay, okay, you know, Pastor, I think this is doable, okay? I think I can try to be merciful. I can try to see the need of those around us, you know? Uh, I definitely can do it for my family members. Uh, no brainer, okay? No need to think so much. Uh, I can be merciful to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you know? After all, uh, they are Christians. So if I'm merciful to them, they will be merciful to me, okay? So uh, no issue there, okay? No issue there. Uh, we can be merciful uh, to our friends, you know? Uh, for our good friends, we can be especially more merciful, more gracious to them, you know? Easy peasy. Uh, we can definitely work at it for strangers that we bump into on the road or even at the Kopitiam. You know, we can be more conscientious about it. We can put more, some, some more effort about it. And uh, if you are thinking that way, excellent, excellent, you know. Uh, we are taking baby steps on the right path. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But, you know the but was coming, okay? But, Jesus added a whole new level on what it means to be merciful. In the story of the Good Samaritan, 
Very interestingly enough, a Samaritan was used instead of a Jew. Okay, the story is not called the story of the good Jew or the story of the good Hebrew. It's called the good Samaritan. Now for us today, uh, it may not seem like such a big deal. You know? Okay, Jesus, sure, call, call it whatever you want. You know, call it the good Chinese man if you want to, okay? Uh, it really doesn't make a big deal. Huh? But in Jesus' time, for anyone who was reading this, and particularly to the religious scholar whom Jesus was having a chat, this would be a huge shocker. Because in Jesus' time, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Hated each other. They couldn't stand being in the same room with one another. The Jews despised the Samaritans because the Samaritans were a group of people of uh, mixed origins, you know. The Samaritans had some Jewish blood. They, they had some other foreign blood jumbled together. Uh, in some sense, they, they were not the pure, pure breed. Uh, uh. And so the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the Jews for doing it. They asked, hey, why are we looked down for being second blood, uh, second class? Uh, and not only that, the Jews and the Samaritans disagreed on which place is the holy mountain, the place of worship. The Jews says it is in Jerusalem. The, the, the Samaritans says it at Mount Gerizim. And so, in Jesus' time, there's a lot of blood, bad blood going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when Jesus used the Samaritan in the story, it was a huge slap in the face to the religious scholar with whom he was having a chat with. The religious scholar would naturally assume that the wounded man, the guy left for, for dead by the roadside, they would naturally, he would naturally assume that that guy would be a Jew because the Bible tells us that he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. So naturally, one would assume that he would be a Jew who had just finished some religious things at Jerusalem. And the religious scholar would also assume that the priest, the pastor, who was a fellow Jew, would stop by and help him. He would also assume the same for the Levites, uh, who would, in our day today, we'll call him probably a Christian. But when it turned out to be the Samaritan who actually helped the wounded guy, it was such a shocker to the point that when Jesus asked the religious scholar, hey, which of the three became a neighbor to the man that was attacked by the robbers? The religious scholar couldn't bring himself to say, ah, it was the Samaritan. All he could master out of him was, hey, the guy, the guy who treated him well, the guy who had mercy on him. Friends, showing mercy is not easy in itself. And to top it off, Jesus implores us to show mercy even to our enemies. Wow. Show mercy to our enemies. That's really loaded stuff. It means showing mercy to those who have cheated us of our money, of our time, of our resources. It means showing mercy to those who have betrayed us. It means showing mercy to those who have gossiped about us. It means showing mercy to that annoying neighbour who let his cats roam around the neighbourhood and poo in your garden. It means showing mercy 
to that irritating driver on the road who shouldn't be given his driving license in the first place. Instead of cursing him, and instead of saying, God bless you, you know, we say, God bless you. It means showing mercy to an office colleague who used us, who stepped on us to climb the corporate ladder. It means showing mercy to an employer who is a slave driver, perhaps. Instead of being a keyboard warrior and complain all over Facebook or in the WhatsApp groups that we are in, we choose to speak of good things about the person, even though it is tough to do so. It means showing mercy to an employee who is new and fumbles up here and there. It means being kind to the waiter at the kopitiam or the restaurant when our order takes a little bit longer than usual to come. Showing mercy means we pray for the good of those who have hurt us and offended us. Wow. Showing mercy. Showing mercy to all. And church, that's the kind of mercy Jesus was talking about. And as we come to a close this morning, can I ask the, the music team to come? We show mercy to others because church, Jesus showed us mercy. Jesus showed us mercy. He saw our need for a Savior. He was moved. He was filled with compassion. And Jesus took action. He went to the cross for you and I. He showed us mercy and He showed us grace. That is why this morning when we came to the communion the, and partake in the communion, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But perhaps some of you may say that, hey, we are not God. We are not Jesus. It would still be quite hard for us to show mercy to others. Church, the Bible tells us this. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If we recognize who we are in Christ, if we recognize the magnitude of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we will understand that showing mercy is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Showing mercy would be merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And church, I truly believe that each and every one of us here this morning, that we have the capacity to show mercy to others because of what Jesus has done for us and because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit changes us to be more like Jesus each day. So whenever we struggle to show mercy, whenever we find it a little bit challenged uh, to show mercy to our enemies, remember, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We have the Holy Spirit to nudge our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit 
to empower us. We have the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love to the overflow. But the choice is, belongs to us. It begins with us wanting to say, Yo, yes, Lord, I want to show mercy. Yes, Lord, I want to be gracious to others. And this morning, if there is any one of us who is struggling to do so, even as the worship team leads us in this song, let's ask God to fill our hearts with compassion. And church, we show mercy because God showed us mercy. Whenever we struggle, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Whenever we find it a challenge, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Whenever we find it like it's utterly impossible to do so, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And this morning, even as we sing this song, let's come before God and say, God, because of you, because of what you have done for me, you are worthy. And I want to live for you. Fill my heart with your love and show it to those around me. So this morning, let us come before God with our hearts surrendered, our lives offered up to Him today. Shall we all stand this morning?